Welcome to the Village Church Podcast. Thanks for stopping by and taking the time to listen. We've prayed that this podcast channel blesses and encourages the Village family. So lean in with an open heart, eager to grow, and enjoy the episode. This morning I'm going to be speaking on Psalm 33. It's got 22 verses in it. And um, don't worry, I'm not going to read them all out to you, but I will reference different parts of it as we go through the morning. Um, but it's a really rich psalm. And as I was preparing for this this morning, I could see the theme of the greatness of God throughout the psalm. I could see the reasons or the call for worship, the reasons for worship, the how or the response that we should have in worship. But we aren't going to talk about that this morning. The thread that captivated me throughout the psalm was the steadfast, stable, consistent, constant love of God that is demonstrated and released to us each and every day. And so that is what I'm wanting to speak about this morning. Um, God's love can be defined as infallible. And what infallible means in Colette language is never failing, always effective, not liable to mislead, deceive, or disappoint. It's certain. It's flawless. It's never wrong. It's incapable of error, and it is unchanging. An incredible thing, the love of God. And we live in a world where marriages are failing, friendships are failing. There are things that are happening in companies, and companies are shutting down doors as they, as they fail. Countries are failing around the world, and people are losing many, many things because promises have been broken. There's no one on planet Earth that we can place our total and complete, complete trust in that won't let us down at some point. That's the reality. It's the human disease called sin. It's a consequence of sin that we at some, at some point are going to let one another down. Our love for one another is infallible, or is fallible, sorry, and it is not perfect like the infallible, perfect love of God. God's love is amazing. So we live in a world where inflation, if you have been living in New Zealand for any, any length of time, you're going to know that inflation has been increasing, it's been strangling people, it's devastating economies across the planet. There are wars and atrocities happening across our planet, destruction, they're corrupt governments that are milking nations um, and, and have such greed and lust for power. Families are imploding all around us, Christian and non-Christian. And the only thing that we can count on throughout it all is God and God's great love for us. Because as a child of God, I and you can have complete and utter trust in the infallibility of God's love for us. Because according to 1 Corinthians 13, 8, God's love never fails. Never means never. Timothy Keller, an amazing man of the faith who's gone to be with the Lord, he said of love, the only love that won't disappoint you is one that can't change, that can't be lost, that is not based on the ups and downs of life or how well you live it. It is something that not even death can take away from you. God's love is the only thing like that. 
Now, as you read Psalm 33, you're going to see that the only thing that merits our full trust is God's love. Three times in this chapter, we talk, we, we're told about the unfailing love of God. In verse 5, it says, The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. Verse 18 says, But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. And verse 22 says, May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. And that theme comes through our worship this morning, this unfailing love of God that we can put our hope in. And so for me, if you had to start at verse 1 and to verse 3 in, in Psalm 33, as children of God, in verse 1, we can sing joyfully, we can praise loudly, verse 2, and we can sing new songs, verse 3, because of His unfailing love. This infallible love of God, steady, stable, consistent, never failing, always effective, not liable to mislead, deceive or disappoint, certain, it's flawless, never wrong, incapable of error, and incapable of changing. Isn't that incredible, an incredible truth that we can actually breathe and rest in? I know for me it brought great peace. No matter what is happening around us, no matter what's happening to us, no matter how bad or how awful it is, we can be assured of the steadfast, unfailing love of God being available to us as we need it. We can trust and hope in this love of God and we can have full confidence that it will not fail us. I'm so encouraged by that. I hope you are. Imagine that love as a refuge, as a tower of strength, as an impenetrable fortress around you. The love of God wraps around you. And no matter the disappointments, the delays, the devices and strategies of the enemy against you, you can keep standing within that fortress of God's love with confidence that it will not fail and it will never end. And that's what that psalm is reminding of us this morning, that our trust in the unfailing love of God is entirely reasonable because the psalmist is telling us that love is the very nature and character of this God that we serve. So if we had a look at verse 4 and 5, it says, For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the unfailing love, of his unfailing love. And so for me, what I felt came through here was the psalmist was reminding us and telling us that there is nobody Nobody like God. God is not like anybody you and I know or have had either a good or bad experience with. According to Numbers 23, 19, he's not a man that he lies, nor a son of man that he should repent. He's totally above us. Now, C.S. Lewis once said that God allows us to feel the frailty of human love so that we'll appreciate the strength of his love. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Mark's married to me, and he acknowledges that every day. Oh, God, I'm so grateful for your awesome love. This woman, 
this woman that you've given me. But the psalmist is pointing us to the very nature and character of God. He's righteous, he's just, he's faithful, and he's unfailing love. That's his nature and character. Whatever he does is upright. We don't need to understand it. We'd like to, but we don't need to understand it. Anything he does is upright. While others might say they love me and they'll be faithful to me. That's what Mark promised the day he married me. And as to the best of his ability, try to live out in his imperfectness. The reality is that no matter who says they love me, who says they'll be faithful to me, They will disappoint me. I've disappointed Mark. He's disappointed me at times. Though that happens, this just, faithful, righteous, totally loving God will never fail me. Where my parents' love might disappoint me. Where my children's love may fail my expectation. Where my spouse's love might fail me because it's fallible. God's love will never fail me, will never fall short of my expectation or disappoint me because he is faithful, he is true in his love towards me. His love is lavish, his love is freely available to me. It's constant, steady, and reliable despite me. It doesn't matter what I do or don't do, right or wrong. God is love, love is God, and love can never be separated from who he is. So this morning, I have a very simple demonstration, and I'm not quite sure I'm going to do this with, with one hand. I have some pink syrup here, strawberry, a bit of milk, and all I wanted to do this morning is ask you to imagine that this red syrup is the love of God. Okay? This is the love of God. You can't contain it, but just for the demonstration, this is the love of God. Okay, and this is you and me. And I I get to know God. God's love breaks into my life. And I'm changed from the inside out. Would you agree? The love of God changes me. So 1 John 4.16 says, And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. So when we receive that love, and, and it's poured into our hearts and into our lives and into every part of us, it changes us from the inside out. We become different because of the love of God. This God of love abiding in me, living in me by faith, activated in me, living out of me, changes everything. Because I've received that, I become a better person. I become a better wife. Mark becomes a better husband. We become better mothers and fathers. We become better sons and daughters. We become better grandparents. We become better employers or employees. Because the love of God abides in us. So that means, and this is really tough because Mark can affirm this, that means 1 Corinthians 13, that my love should be patient. My love should be kind. It should not envy. It should not boast. It should not be proud. It should not 
ever dishonor others. It shouldn't be self-seeking. It shouldn't be easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth because it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8. And that's the love of God. As much as that's the standard of love he calls us to, because he has been poured into us, because he abides in us through faith, and that day that we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, because he now resides in me, that God love, that steady and unchanging and not dependent on my behavior, that love that's patient and kind and merciful and is easily forgiving, doesn't keep a record of wrong, as Corinthians tells us, that love now lives in me. But maybe, like me, that's not always an easy kind of love to live in. Sometimes that love doesn't work out as as well as it could in my life, and I fail, and I don't love my husband as well as I should, and I don't love the people in in God's family that he's placed me in as well as I should, because my flesh gets a little bit stronger at times, because I'm not disciplining it. And in Romans 8.1, the wonderful thing is, even though I fail to receive the love of God and dispense that love to others, even though I fail in that, There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And that is such an amazing thing. I can repent. I can say I'm sorry. I can turn away from it. I can make adjustment. And you can ask Mark. I have to do it many, many times in our marriage. But the reality is his love is changing me from the inside out. And it's a lifelong process that he's at work with inside me. And he's totally committed to that. And he's going to use the good, the bad, and the ugly to squeeze out the flesh and to allow him to abide more freely in me. And thank God, it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on him who lives in me. And he will definitely change and transform me. So I just felt at that point that maybe the people here this morning who feel like they fail in that area, I know I do, I fall short many times, then I'd love to pray. So I'm going to ask everyone to close their eyes. No one's going to raise their hands. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you, you receive that prayer. You say, Lord, that's me. Amen. So Jesus, sometimes I fall short as I follow you. And I attempt to reveal you to others, both those that I love and strangers around me. And I, my flesh gets the better of me, Lord. And I get defensive. And I get resentful. And I get impatient and I get unforgiving but when I do I look nothing like you I act nothing like you forgive me for this and please continue to transform me from the inside out with your love that I might reveal you more and more to those around me in Jesus name I pray this amen So verse 9 reminds us that what he says will be, what he says does, or what he says he'll do will stand. And already there was a scripture in Numbers where it says he's not a man that he lies. God's word can be believed. And if God has said it, believe it. And even if your circumstances aren't aligning to that, you hold by faith to the love of God that is unfailing. And know that that promise 
will come to pass. If God has said it to you, he's a God of all power who created everything and everyone. He's above all things. He's over all things, according to Colossians 1.17, and he is in all things. He's the creator of everything that you see, the person next to you on either side of you. He created them. He created you. And whatever he speaks, I speak light, light came. I speak water, water came. I speak and plants came. Whatever God spoke came to be. Whatever God speaks today will come to be. In verse 10 to 12, we read, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he choose or chose for his inheritance. For me, the psalmist here is reminding me and you about the sovereignty of God. This God who loves us is sovereign. He has supreme power, supreme authority over all things, including humanity. And that's what Matthew 28, 18 onwards tells us when Jesus said to the disciples, all authority, that means all power of absolute rule in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go. And so as a result of this, it doesn't matter what choices or decisions are made by others around you that could negatively impact you or affect you or harm you. It is always the purposes of God that will stand and succeed. It doesn't even matter the plans you make as a human being because God's purpose that is best for you is actually what's going to stand and what's going to be achieved. And sometimes we can make plans because there's a plan in the man of a heart, in the heart of men, and we want to go a certain way. But God is so patient and kind because of His love that He just brings us back and aligns us with His will again. And it might take a little bit longer, but as we get back on the same page as Him, His purpose stands. His purpose is achieved. And that truth is reinforced again and again and again throughout Scripture. Isaiah 46, 10 to 11 says, My purpose will stand, and I will do as I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far-off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. Proverbs 19:21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Psalm 138:8 The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. And Romans 8:28 well known. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. His good purpose will remain and will stand and will succeed because he is unfailing love. And that unfailing love is steadfast, it's stable, it's consistent and constant. No matter what life is throwing at you, no matter what weapons the enemy forges against you, no matter what governments or employers decide that that it might potentially impact you, it is the unfailing love of God that is committed to you and his purpose that will be achieved. No one else has that kind of power, only God. He is sovereign. Verses 13 to 15. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. 
He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. For me here, the psalmist is reminding us as a people that God is omniscient, omnipresent, and he's omnipotent, which simply means he has foreknowledge of everything. He's present in, all, present in all things, and he has total control and power over all things. So God is never taken by surprise or gets confused by what's taking place in our lives. He knows all about it. He's present in it, and he will use it for our good because of his unfailing love for us. And we can confidently and securely rest in that love. Verse 16 to 22, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those who hope in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. For me, the thing I got from that, from the psalmist, he's saying we shouldn't trust in our own strength, our own strategies, our own solutions, and the structures that we like to look towards to deliver us in times of struggle or difficulty. Our deliverance only comes from God, and we need to put our trust and hope in His steadfast, unfailing love. So often fear in my life gets me putting trust in Mark or trust in someone else to deliver me or trust in my own ability to get out of something, my own human strength, my own plan, my own idea, my own strategy, my own solution. But they are so fallible just as I am. And more often than not, they fail me. But when I look to this God who loves me with a constant, consistent, steadfast, stable, steady, never-ending, eternal love, I can put my hope in that and I will never be disappointed because his love can never fail. I wondered at this point, if you, like me, have at times relied on your own strength and have found that it hasn't been enough to get you deliverance. Perhaps right now, there are things that you're trusting God for and you've been strategizing and putting things in place, but nothing's been happening. Maybe we can pray, if that's okay. So Lord, I pray for those of us, as I pray for myself, where at times I rely on my own strength, my own strategies, my own solutions, my own structure to deliver me and not you. Please forgive us. Help us start again afresh with you in the driving seat, and may your best plan unfold at just the right time. Help us to rest in you and your omnipotence. Thank you for new days ahead, full of fresh new chances. In Jesus' name, amen. So we can return to the beginning of the psalm again, verse 1 to 4. The psalmist is reminding us that our only response to this unfailing, steadfast, stable, consistent, constant love of God is to sing joyfully to the Lord, to praise Him, and to sing him a new song. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. In closing this morning, you might never have known a love like that. For me, it was at the age of 16 
where I discovered this everlasting, unchanging, steadfast, consistent, constant love of God despite me. I was an angry little girl because my dad had died. And I blamed God. And it took two years before I could bend my knee and actually accept that this God was loving and that he didn't kill my dad. That we live in a fallen world and bad stuff happens to good people. And I made peace with God. I came face to face with a God of love. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he's gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You know, Jesus gave up his life. He was tortured. He died on a cross for you and me. And scripture tells us why. In Romans 3.23, for all, all means all, no one's excluded, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it's not a full stop. It's a comma after that. And verse 24 tells us, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. We aren't trapped in sin with no hope. We're not trapped in hopelessness. This love, this one called love, freely justifies us, which means we become new people with clean slates, wiped everything from the past, wiped away, This morning, you can respond to that love and you can be rescued, restored, redeemed, refreshed and given a new opportunity to live with him and for him. You know, it wasn't the nails that kept Jesus on the cross. He willingly took the form of man and took, took his place on the cross, stayed on that cross and did that full three days. Died on the cross, lay in a tomb while his flesh was starting to smell and on the day three rose again it was a love that allowed him to do that he didn't do it because God said you will he did it because he was willing and instead of an enemy I now become a child of God and this constant consistent stable steadfast everlasting eternal love of God ensures that one day when death comes knocking at my door I walk through that door of death I walk through that doorway into eternity with him I have nothing to fear because I get to live for eternity. That's forever and ever and ever and ever with him. Because I choose Jesus, I don't spend eternity separated from him forever and ever and ever in a place that gets really hot and has flames. I get to spend eternity with him because I've accepted his extravagant, free, endless, steadfast love. And I would love to give you that opportunity this morning to do likewise. So if every eye can close, every head could be bowed. If there's anyone here this morning who has never experienced the steadfast, never-ending, eternal, stable, constant, steadfast love of God, who's never had that opportunity to say, Jesus, I need you. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to make right with him. If you are a person like that, would you mind raising your hand so I can see that I am praying for someone? Is there anyone? We don't want to give... Or we don't want to let an opportunity go by without giving people an opportunity to make right with Jesus.
You never know how long life is. You don't know that you could walk out from this building this morning and climb in your car and have a car accident and die. You do not want to die without the stable, consistent love of God. Is there anyone? Yes. Thank you. Anybody else? I love it when I see young people giving their lives to Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? Okay, thank you. God, thank you that you are love. Thank you that you loved me so much that you sent Jesus. Thank you that you loved each person who raised their hand so much that you sent Jesus for them. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross and that you forgive them of every sin they've ever committed. We are so sorry that we've made mistakes and we've done things wrong. And by faith, we accept your love that wipes that clean, that we can receive you as our Lord and Savior, and that we can live forgiven, loved, and as a new person. We thank you that the old person and the old life is gone, and that new person has now risen up in Christ, that we are new creations because we said we want that love to live within us. Thank you again for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.